Welcome to the Geek Confidential Podcast. My name is Luke Kerr. Joining me today to discuss Wonder Woman 1984 is Melody Akles. Welcome, Mel. Hey, hey. Mo Walker, welcome. Glad to be here, Luke. And Dan Pierce, welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good. Well, we're getting to talk about a movie being released when there haven't been a lot of movies released since, what, March? Well, let me back up for a second. There have been movies released, but I have not been to a movie since probably sometime in March. Um, And so I am very excited because Warner Brothers decided to release Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max as well as in theaters. And I have subscribed to HBO Max. We've discussed shows from HBO Max on the podcast before, things like Doom Patrol, uh, Teen Titan, or Titans. Um, and so we've covered some of the television content, but to be able to actually watch a full-blown movie on at home was something that I, especially in the world of COVID and will not be going back to a movie theater until I'm vaccinated, was very excited about. So going around the circles, or going around the circle real quick, I want to get your first impressions of Wonder Woman 1984. Mel. So watching this yesterday on the couch with the rest of my family, we all kind of agreed with the same thing, is that it was just, it was a fun film, you know? I feel like there was definitely fan service. There are definitely, definitely plot issues, which we will get to later. But overall, I enjoyed watching the film which i feel like is the purpose of the film so overall impressions is that it is fun it is enjoyable but if you are really looking for it to stick to the plot and stick to the comic details and so on and so forth you are in the wrong place you mean like the giant massive plot hole that said that as long as he reversed his wish it would negate all the other wishes and after he did that then all of a sudden you had the guy who told the lady in the in the restaurant he wished she was dead taking back his wish i mean you know that's a pretty big plot of that hole. nature that's a things of that nature which we are going to discuss later on this podcast mo but, yeah. mo first impressions well you know i was ha- really happy to finally finally see this film after so so long you know i mean it was supposed to be it was was supposed to come out last december and you know because of want because of covid and let's just say warner brothers you know greed you know it it got it got pushed to now but here but i but is it greed or is it smarts and the only reason why i said that is because christopher nolan insisted on pushing through with tenant in the summer and it bombed, quote unquote, because no one went to it in America and it did okay internationally. Do you really think that Warner was like, yeah, we just want to put our biggest female superhero in theaters and then have no one go? Well, I'm talking about the original sin, Luke, which was that, remember, this was supposed to come out last year. It was ready to go in 2019. Warner decided to kick it to summer of 2020 because they thought that they can maximize its value in its calendar, not knowing that COVID was on the horizon, you know, had it. And I mean, and now a film that they thought was going to be a billion dollar film at the box office, they're not going to get that at all. And they may have gotten a billion dollars if they, if they had released it when they originally were scheduled to last, uh, last winter. 
Okay, so, fair enough. And I apologize for distracting from your first impression. So continue. <laughs> it's okay, Luke. It's uh, look, we, we roll with things here. That's that's how it works here on, on Geek Confidential. But um, yeah, I I really enjoyed the film overall. Like Mel said, there are some plot holes, but that's what you come to expect with these sorts of films. Um, I, but I think its heart is in the right place. And I think it's a film that, even though it's set in 1984, it's a film that really resonates with the mood of today. What we, as a culture, as a society around the world, need. We need Wonder Woman. Dan, first impressions? I thought the movie was very okay. I I think that a lot of people went into it, myself included, with very high expectations given how good the first movie was and how much positivity was surrounding it. And while it didn't live up to like the heights in terms of quality that the first movie had, it's been so long since I've seen like a superhero movie that I I sort of forgot like a lot of like the expectations and what the end results in DC versus Marvel in superhero movies in general. Like there are so many intricacies to the, the film experience with a, a superhero movie with a DC property with wonder woman specifically that I, I, totally forgot and while this movie didn't necessarily live up to the expectations that i had um it was very okay it was fine see and i thought about that because when i was thinking about my first impressions of this i was like okay most comic book movies when you launch a franchise the first movie that comes out always feels like the best because you're being introduced to it and the entire world is new if you look at iron man iron man one is amazing iron man two not as much if you look at thor the first thor was a fun movie the second one sucked ragnarok was awesome if you look at guardians of the galaxy guardians of the galaxy was uh, a ton of fun Guardians of the Galaxy 2 not quite as fun but still fun I like I feel like people will always have better opinions of the first movie than the second movie just because they've been introduced to this character that they've been waiting on screen to get and so for me I was like okay so let me take a look at what else is going on in this film and see if how those things compare so so I was gonna interject and I'm sorry just just to say that I think with the films that you're you've named the Marvel films. I think that each one was trying to top its, its predecessor. Whereas I hear with wonder woman, 1984, I don't think it's necessary. It's intention is to top the first wonder woman. See, I think it's one. That's interesting because I was thinking the opposite. My reaction to this, my, my first impression of this film was there was a lot going on in terms of like other realms and a big epic story in Wonder Woman, the first Wonder Woman movie, but at its core, the first Wonder Woman is a story about Diana and Steve, and the through the emotional punch of that film is their story. For me, Wonder Woman 1984, it feels like a movie that's trying to tell an epic story, and 
Steve and Diana are not the core. They're sort of the afterthought. That was my impression of it. Um, and and I, I think my other problem was when it comes to DC and Marvel properties, I tend to like DC characters more in part because you do have more magic and um, gods and that kind of stuff in the canon as the big characters like Diana. And so it <sighs> Maxwell Lord sort of fe- or felt like a lame villain to me. This is the plot for Wonder Woman after we went to World War One. Like to me, I I enjoyed the movie. It was a fun movie. I'm I'm giving it some benefit of the doubt because it's the second movie in the franchise. But as like as a character, as a villain that is going to try and bring destruction to the world. I was not that like it wasn't about the acting. I just wasn't as enthused about the villain, but I, I enjoyed the movie overall. It was a fun romp. It took us all over. We got the invisible jet. We got some other wonderful things that we'll talk about, but I was disappointed that we were basically do do using a, a non-powerful being as our, primary villain Um, i i did want to ask you luke um just based on your thoughts and given the fact that wonder woman ostensibly just from a general consensus is probably the most successful of the dc individual properties that have gone through like with the movies and stuff yes excluding nolan Yes, excluding Nolan and all of that stuff, but like the current weird way that they're building everything. Do you think, and I started thinking about this, where they were trying to continue the momentum of the first movie, not necessarily build on anything, but just continue, like we need to make another successful movie because we're not very good at making successful movies. Here's my thought on that. Wonder Woman, from a box office standpoint, was not the most successful. Aquaman was uh, of but, the of the solo properties. Aquaman was a really fun movie. It wasn't a great movie, but it was a ton of fun. Wonder Woman 1984 is a good movie, but it's not the kind of fun that Aquaman was. I agree. Um, and I, I think the other part about it was because the trailers and the music and everything gave me so many good vibes about Thor Ragnarok um, because the, the music that they used was similar. The, the color palettes and things for the advertising was similar. I had, I was very predisposed to have really good feelings about wonder woman, 1984 from the marketing standpoint. And we got definitely the the 1980s were definitely depicted well, but it didn't give me that sort of pop culture feeling the way that Thor Ragnarok did, which was on an entirely different planet and not in the 1980s. So it was sort of weird that way. Um, 
let's dive into some of the highlights. Uh, Mo, what were some highlights for you? So I, I, I got to defend the film a bit more because I, I think, you know, with you and Dan, the critiques you have, you know, are valid, which you said. But, you know, I think to me, this film felt like it was a Wonder Woman comic of the 80s. Maxwell Lord is a is a DC comic creature of the 1980s. If you read the uh, Keith Giffen, J.M. DeMatteis, Justice League comic of that era, that is essentially the ver- that version of Max War- Maxwell Lord slightly tweaked. He's, he's not a Latinx character, uh, but he is a schemer. He has powers. He's trying to manipulate things to make a profit. It's just what they what to me what they seem to have married is Maxwell Lord of the 1980s with the Maxwell Lord of the early 2000s in a comic called the uh Omac um in which he was a Wonder Woman villain in that comic book in which he was a major Wonder Woman villain the other thing i want to point out is is that you we haven't so far talked about the cheetah uh, Kristen Wiig's character Barbara Minerva. I think to getting to the highlights, I think her character arc was one of the highlights of, 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 the, of the film. I think that again, I go back. If you've read Wonder Woman comics of the late eighties, I'm talking the George Perez run that starts after crisis on infinite earth. You can, you can see the through line there, the relationship with Diana and, and Barbara, all those things, it gave you that feel. For someone for me who who read those comics, who loved the, the George Perez era of what this film, you know, in, in many ways, it, it, it's a love letter to to that style of Wonder Woman, which was not necessarily a overly bombastic Wonder Woman. It was a lot quieter in terms of what what were going on with Diana. I I agree with you. I think that Kristen Wiig was fantastic in this. I for Cheetah as a character is not one that, like I will. I will preface my enjoyment of Wonder Woman tends to be from the J- JLA or Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman perspective. It's not necessarily from Wonder Woman comics. That's how I come to Wonder Woman and how I enjoy her. So for me, when I'm looking at it, I'm looking at grandiose scale. Um, I'm not looking whether that's stuff that you've read either in JLA comics or you've watched it on any of the Justice League animation things. That's where I'm coming from on it. But I thought that Kristen Wiig was fantastic. And I think that my other thought was, um, how do I get her and a Harley Quinn team up? Because her and Harley Quinn would be fun. Will there be any scenery left? Well, there might not be, but (laughs) but but Mel, but Mel, you have to remember there are good scenery chewers and there are bad scenery chewers, and these two, these two (laughs) were Marco Robbie and Kristen Rigg in a movie, and they will eat the camera. But but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be bad scenery chewing. It could be very good scenery chewing. Guys, it's going to be the Californians, but just with supervillains. <laughs> yep. Mo, what other highlights jumped out for for you before I go on to the other two? Uh, again, I, I I think probably one of the highlights, just just weirdly enough, is the the scene the scenery, like that initial that initial um, start when they had Wonder Woman in the mall, which was weirdly giving me these like throwback vibes to 
the malls, malls, particularly the 1980s, where you had your Walden books and so forth. And in my mind, I'm from Virginia. And, and so in my mind, I'm trying to remember, was that mall there in Fairfax County like in 1984? So I had like, I was just trying to rack my brains. Just had a little chuckle about that. Um, but in terms of other highlights for me, again, the Invisible Jet, I'd like their their use of an invisible jet. It's not a traditional invisible jet, which I think is, is given the context of, of, of the, uh, how this, how this wonder woman universe is, is, is made up. I think that, you know, having a plane that the Amazons built made out of invisible material would not work, but having something that's more, you know, grounded in the magic and the powers of Zeus and so forth, you know, and again, as ill-defined as that is, you know, there is like precedent for her, you know, coming up with, with, with extraordinary powers. We saw that in the first film when she, when she rose up against Ares, you know, there was some innate power within her that could defeat him. So, so I think that follows follows along with that. And of, and of course, I, I love the part when she actually figured uh, where she learns how to fly and um, and when she gets her golden armor for me. Yeah, I was I was really giggling because I, I love the the golden armor that Wonder Woman has. I it, it was quite stunning. Dan, what were your highlights? Uh, for me, I really enjoyed uh, Steve reacting to life in the 80s. They flipped the coin on that from the first movie, which was very enjoyable. Yes, right? Like, like everything in the first movie was Diana reacting to, like, World War Two, or, I'm sorry, World War One times, at, whereas right now it was Steve reacting to the 80s, and that was really cool. And watching him, like, freak out over uh, dancing and cheese in a can and stationary bikes, I... Oh, that was just that was so much fun. Chris Pine looked like he was having a great time. Um, I also everything w- with like them in the plane, just the most stunning cinematography. Even like the opening scene, also uh, with this being one like I think it's the first 4K streamed movie. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that was like the big claim for uh, Wonder Woman 1984 on HBO Max um, that it was going to be the first 4K streamed. Uh, everything about it was absolutely stunning, uh, just from a visual standpoint, cinematography. Mel could probably go far deeper than I could and more eloquently, but I just I thought all of those were really strong points of the movie. I like Kristen Wiig. But she was eating some scenery. Like I'm not. I I can't even lie or joke. Oh, but she was outdone. But (laughs) once again, was it good scenery chewing or bad scenery chewing? Because there's both. It it really depends. Because there were moments where it was bad scenery chewing. Like her, like fidgeting around while while trying to make out with Max in her office. And, like, she doesn't notice that he took the stone or borrowed the stone or, like, anything See, involving I think that, that was a whole plot. sequence. I thought that was a plot hole because they make it look like he's stealing it. And then the next day, she's telling Diana that she let him borrow it. Yeah, that, 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 that to really me was a watch. plot hole. 
I don't think that was a plot hole. I think that was her covering her ass because it's okay, like fair enough. That could be true. But just from a narrative standpoint, Luke's right. They do make it look like he's stealing it while having sex with her. And that's something you have probably gotten in like an eighties comedy or something. I that, mean, yeah, that that's fair. But like, where is he hiding this? Where is he hiding this pointed <laughs> stone? Okay, again, uh, well, you're, I mean, I think we're overthinking maybe. it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's a it's a weird sequence of like shots and the way they're cut together and the way like narratively we're supposed to go from one logic leap to the next logic leap and then all of the sudden it's like oh no he borrowed it his his name is on this i knew he had it kind of thing yeah whereas there was no evidence prior to that Mm -hmm. lending itself they needed a like a short scene of her looking at her desk like huh where is it you know to something to make that tie together yeah exactly or they could have just been, been a little bit more blatant and like had her let him borrow it because she got laid and was feeling good afterwards. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, de- I definitely agree with you all on that. Yeah. Any uh, other, hi- any other highlights that you really enjoyed? I really liked uh, a lot of the stuff in Egypt, to be honest, like the, the whole chase. That was really cool. Um, that was good. That, that was a, that was a good chase. It was cool seeing even like a little bit depowered Diana and Steve Trevor, like just in their element fighting together and working together. And really that was when I really didn't mind Max's powers where he, he got that security detail and there's all these armored cars and stuff. And I'm like, Oh wow, he's amassing power. This is kind of cool. He eventually takes that cool point way too far. Uh, but at that, like, s- somewhat innocent of moment, whereas, okay, I just have the security detail now and these armored cars, and it sets up this whole big chase with Diana and Steve. I thought it was pretty good. Um, and one of the things that any person who is writing and or directing a film that involves Superwoman, Supergirl, Wonder Woman, any of the godlike characters, quote unquote, even though I know Superman and Supergirl are not gods, I'm just saying, um, is that when you have to come up with logical ways in which to make them vulnerable. Otherwise they're invincible. And I think that this wish stone done by a, she didn't say trickster God, but a manipulative God was a good way to do that. I think that that was a very well thought out way to do it. Yeah. And, and the concept of the monkey's paw is so, it's pretty universally known among various um, lores and myths and all of these sort of things that it was pretty easy for like the audience to translate. Could they have done a better job with it? Sure. Could they have devoted more time to it? Sure. But it does exist across a lot of different lores and whatnot. So I thought that was an interesting uh, piece to go off of. Mel, what were your highlights? Um, I definitely agree with everyone that the invisible jet was awesome. They did such a great job kind of explaining it that it's a power Diana has and she can make it invisible. And like Dan was saying, the cinematography of it is beautiful. But I think 
this film in general is shot very well. Like it, it just looks so pretty. So um, that was great. I can't believe y'all have not talked about Wonder Woman actually flying because that is always a big debate among the Wonder Woman community of invisible jet or does she fly? So I, I liked that they included both. It's kind of, for me, that's one of those fan service things of, you know, is she going to have the invisible jet? Is she going to fly? Well, in this movie, she does both. So, hey, works for me. I liked it. I I did like how they tied her flying to Steve because she had already lost him. So that was a good point for me. And my last one is I really like the Wonder Woman cheetah fight because we finally got to see Cheetah full on. She has officially turned over from Barbara to Cheetah. And I thought it was great. I, I just, I really enjoyed it. For me, the highlights, I definitely liked the opening sequence. I loved the, I love young Diana and I liked that they were able to incorporate it. I did pause for a second. It's like, did they get that same girl back? Did they get the same girl back or did they just find her younger sister? Because she doesn't look like she's aged that much and she does so good. Um, great. I enjoyed that. I, um, I enjoyed Kristen Wiig. I thought that the way that they played her, she was the character for me that provided some early on the comedic elements that I, and the eighties vibe that I was sort of expecting to get when I was like by comparison to what I in comparison to my expectations from the vibes I got from the Hulk or Thor Ragnarok. Um, And so for me, I enjoyed her. I do think that yes, she ate some scenery, but this is a character that the logic of her in order for her to even accept her as a logical being requires some generosity shall we say um so i enjoyed her um i thought that there were elements of the max max uh maxwell lord that i enjoyed i enjoyed the stuff with his son i wasn't too enthused that they actually basically had his son be his redeemer like his redeeming factor in the end i understand why they did it but after all the chaos that he had caused out of greed, I was so sort of hoping that he would end up punished in some way. Um, the everything with Steve and Diana, I I enjoyed it. Dan mentioned the changing of the clothes, the art, like going out in the garbage can and it's just a garbage can, or the oh I need to tell you about radar. They'll be able to spot us. That like there were a lot of things like that were that were fun. The holdup in the mall with the stolen items that felt very eighties Miami vice type. And I enjoyed it. I, I, I know that I started out sounding like I was hard on this film, but I did enjoy it overall. Um, but now we're going to actually go to some of the things that we did had had difficulty with, even though we've already touched on some of them, Dan, what, what, other things did you have that you you haven't already mentioned that you found that you had difficulty with? I think once like there was a point where Max's powers got so out of control and he just kept like going so far into Splitsville and Pedro Pascal just kept chewing more and more scenery. Like I love Pedro Pascal. The Mandalorian is amazing. He was great as the red Viper. He's one of the best actors in Hollywood right now, whether it's television or film, 
but man, did he chew some scenery in this one. I'm pretty sure he bit my hand at one point while I was sitting on the couch. Like, <laughs> he was out of control at one point. Sorry, Dan, keep going. No, no, you're fine. Uh, I, I completely agree. It was, it's, and then for Alistair to be like, in danger and that's what causes him to uh i guess relinquish his wish or revoke his wish or whatever why wasn't he why didn't he hear his son when his son was looking at the tv why did it have to take him being out on the street for him to hear his son yeah there there are a lot of inconsistencies with how that power structure was set up how is he able to hear his son at all and because then, his son's wish had already been granted? Yeah, his, his son's wish had already been granted. He was only able to facilitate wishes of people who had already gotten wishes. Which doesn't make sense when Cheetah gets that upgrade. Like, okay. Well, that's because te- I think the reason why that happened, and and that will be what I'm curious about if Cheetah returns in another in another film. My working premise is, she will be able to keep the abilities that she asked the stone or wished from the stone prior to it going becoming part of Maxwell. And so technically she had never asked Maxwell a wish. She'd asked the stone a wish. And so that's how that's the loophole that got her the second wish. That was my logic, at least. Ah, that 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 it's makes sense. A bit of a reach, but, but it makes sense. It's plausible. It's plot. That's fair. That's fair. It, it's plausible. It's just one of those things that we really could have used. Like, what if? What if? I don't know. There was someone that knew more about the stone because I felt like everyone wanted to learn information, but only got so far in the information and never looked deeper because the pe- the person that was supposed to look deeper was Barbara and Barbara had a vested interest in not looking deeper. Or the so, fact that the my the guy, like no one knew anything about this, but then there's this giant book that the Mayan descendant has that Diana can read. Yeah. That, the plausibility involved in a lot of these things, and and the Mayan descendant just happens to be in the Wa- Washington D.C. metropolitan area. Okay, uh, uh, okay, um, that's that's a thing. I, I mean, <laughs> well, Mo, well, Dan, Mo, I'm going, Mo is going I'm to going have to, to feel like he's going to have to get out. Mo is going to be strapping up and or, or, putting on his lasso of truth, putting on the. Uh, I was going to say gauntlets, but the cuffs and defend Wonder Woman from the onslaught, quote unquote. Yeah, I'm, I'm coming Sam locked Goody. and loaded. I'm locked and loaded. Um, so <laughs> I will say, now, Dan, have you ever been to Northern Virginia? I have not. Okay. It, it's a cosmopolitan area. There's a lot of different types of people. So you never know. Some random mind could be up there. You okay. know, there's a <laughs> lot of, there's a lot of, all, I'm about two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours from up from there. Um, so you get all kinds of folks. So I, eh, I, I, I appreciate mind. that. But I, I think what threw me was that uh, it goes from Egypt to, okay, we'll meet you in, in DC where this guy is, Barbara is, and everything's fine. I didn't well, realize I, that jets I, in the 1980s could fly from Egypt to Washington D or from Washington DC to Egypt and back 
in less than 24 hours with fight scenes and all the other stuff going on. That was pretty impressive. That, okay. That's the yeah. thing. That's so, also so, part of it. So, okay. So, so, so let me, let me, let me start down, down the line. Okay. I will give you the issues with Maxwell Lord and in terms of a clearer explanation of his powers. I think me personally watching through my comic book lens, you know, and I'm, I got a bias on this. I, 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 Maxwell Lord is a scenery chewing character. I say this if you reference Pedro Pascal, must have been reading those those 1980s Justice League comics uh, or something because he, the Maxwell Lord from those comics, it was literally on screen. So there was no, there wasn't, there was literally times where there was no scenery chewing left in those Justice League comics during that era. Now, with in terms of his powers, I I, I believe clear some clarification should have it could have clarified things a little bit more. In the in the comics, Max has telepathic powers. He has he and and so without I, I, the stone, without the stone, he is a meta human. So and, and my, I wish maybe they had mentioned that he was some sort of latent telepath or something, and the stone enhanced his abilities. So I give you that. That's a plot hole. And that's something they could have clarified with a few lines of dialogue and so forth. Or um, or or even tying it in a little bit more with Stag Industries. Um, if if again, if you know your your DC comic history, you know, Stag Industries is tied to Batman and the Outsiders and Metamorpho and you know ancient stones and so forth so so they could have made it a little bit cleaner in terms of what his power set his, his the maxwell lord's power set so I, I i do give you that okay um now in terms of, in terms of the jets i got nothing for you but you know again <laughs> i'm gonna say you know what here's the thing she turned the jet invisible okay she can magic. So, so if you, so if, what if you're you got, saying you is she gave it a little bit jet. of extra of a power boost. How did yeah, she get the jet, jet extra power boost? Okay. Like afterward. Coming to Lockheed Martin, I, the WW84 engine, instantaneous <laughs> travel. I'm just saying, I want to. I want a deleted scene where she's like hits the alarm button and they have to find where the alarm's going off on that jet. Like it's yeah, a lost I, car at a parking garage. Well, no, before you do too many more rebuttals, I should probably get what Mel thought were the plot holes. That way, if you have to do any additional rebuttals, you can. So, Mel, what things were were plot holes or were you not enthused about? So, I definitely agree about Maxwell Lord. And I'm kind of in between we make the rules up as we go along because I do think there were points when he absolutely overdid it. Like I told y'all there were bike marks on my hand, like <laughs> this is too much. But if we're saying that he is a eighties villain, 1984, then that makes sense because the eighties were all about scenery chewing. It was all about being over the top and how big can you be? So that part I can kind of, you know, buy some of the scenery chewing, but at other points it was too much. My other problem is the ending of where Wonder Woman finally gets 
Max O'Lord with the lasso of truth. And now she's going to make this impassioned speech. And the impassioned speech and the voice of his son suddenly makes him want to renounce his wish. What? That? What? You mean to tell me that you've been trying to fight this man all two hours and 30 minutes of this movie, almost three hours of this movie, and now this is it? Because now you have said the truth is beautiful. The truth is wonderful. It is great. And you need to embrace it. That's going to make him change his mind. I don't understand. I also don't understand, but going back to his son, where his son's first wish was what? I wish for your goodness. Did we just ignore that wish? Did that one not happen? No, it wasn't goodness, wasn't it greatness? Because hadn't he just said, correct me if I'm wrong, but the implication was he was like, I'm going to be a great dad, I'm going to be a great man uh, and a, uh, for you to like look up to. And then I don't remember the exact verbiage, but I, I don't think it yeah. was goodness, but I thought great. it was like him being great. And then his son's wish was, then I, I wish for you to be great. And see, that's the thing. He... But- in your son's eyes with you doing all of that, you weren't really great. I mean, you were great to yourself, but were you great to him? So shouldn't his wish be, you should be great to me, but he wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, mm, I had a problem with that. So uh, yeah, I, I struggle with that. I struggled with how we finally came to be of, we renounce our wish and now everyone else that may have made wishes that you have granted are also renouncing their wish. That looks like a big shiny bow that we tried to put on so we could end this film and I ain't like it. Okay, Mo. So, okay, so Mel, so with regard to how to deal with Maxwell Lord, they either had two options here. <laughs> the option we got or what Wonder Woman did to him in the 2000s, which was snap his neck. A la oh, Man okay. of Steel style. Because <laughs> that's what she did in a comic called The OMAC Project. She snapped his neck. She just and was too a- through. She was too through. Because he yeah. was doing, he was taking control of the world. He had my, his, his powers were out of control. He was controlling Superman. He was doing all this and that. So I also felt, I was a little bit torn about that feel good ish kind of ending that we yeah. got. My thing is is that with Marvel movies, I think we are trained to expect the villain to get their comeuppance. That's how we're trained. We, we literally they either go to jail, more often than not, they end up dead. With this, we've got to remember that Wonder Woman is a character, you know, about hope and redemption, and this is her arc. And so her arc is about trying to give people chances to be a better person, that she's striving to be better herself. And so she needs to offer that opportunity for people to change. And so when I look at it through that lens, I can I, I can justify the how 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 the how the issue how things resolved. Okay. Here's the thing though, Mo. I, I the only point I would make is that all that goodness and hope and all of that stuff when there's nukes in the air <laughs> oh speak up Dan. The, no, so Dan, did you ever see a movie called superman 4 the quest for peace no and no one else did either <laughs> i'm just i'm just saying i'm just saying there are nukes that in awful the movie. air I, again this I, man says 
oh no, my son, I renounce my wish. And they all disintegrate after already <laughs> being launched. And there's no consequences. So nothing in the movie actually mattered. Right. You just spent the last two hours watching a movie that didn't matter because there's no consequences. No, 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 no. I think there were no, no. I think there were what consequences. Wait, wait. What what consequences were there? He was for still... Diana. There were certainly consequences. No, not really. She didn't. Yeah, have no. St- she didn't have Steve before it. She didn't have Steve at the end of it. Here's the, here's the thing, but, though. I mean, they, they Maxwell also, Lord was a was a scheming Donald Trump type from the '80s at the beginning, and we were other than the his the tender moment with his son. What's to say he wasn't at at the end? We, che, it, cheetah will, will more than movie, likely a, still be che- like. Well, again, that goes well. Well, see, here's the thing that goes back to the cyclical nature of how comic books work. Okay. Okay. I, get, I, I totally get that, Mo, and I'm not discounting the cyclical nature of comic books. But Warner Brothers is trying to build a franchise, and if they want to compete with Marvel, even if they are doing this as more standalone properties, because I've read articles since Wonder since JLA or Justice League didn't do as well as the group thing. I've read articles about how they're going to do all these independent movies and not necessarily tie things together. Because and they I be, they be, because they, they keep doing stuff like this in this movie that provides no continuity. You're, not yeah, everybody I, can be the MCU, and we need to say that. Right, right. But, yeah. but, but, but yeah. you should, but you should still, within whatever world Wonder Woman is in, or whatever world Aquaman is in, have continuity and consequences. Hold on, hold on. So, but what about Aquaman then? We haven't, we haven't, we haven't had the second movie yet. So, okay, so, so, again. But again, you could make the same case. We don't know what's going to happen moving forward. Now, we know that there's a time gap in between when when Wonder Woman 1984 takes place and when we see Diana again in Batman v Superman. So there's a time gap. Right. But they are are trying to establish Wonder Woman as her own premier franchise without Justice League. I mean, her, her, Wonder Woman and Aquaman are the two most successful in this new era. The Batman thing had to become a Justice League movie just to be able to pull Ben Affleck across the thing. I mean, it had to become a Superman, Batman versus Superman just to pull Ben Affleck's Batman across the line. They're they're trying to establish these other franchises that are loosely connected, and yet they're not actually building them in such a way that when they do connect, they'll make sense. Well, I think that's, well, I don't know if that's necessarily the case, because if you look at who's EP on this movie, who scripted this movie, there's a thread there. It's, it's Jeff Johns of star girl that shows up on screen. Is it a different thing? Well, again, that is, and that's, that's a whole nother animal, but there is someone there who is the continuity between these and the Snyder movies and whatnot. So there, it, there are people there on the EP level. Now, whether or not, again, like you said, how it plays out on the screen, it's a different story. But again, I think that in keeping 
with the this movie tonally was supposed to look like a, an adventure film from the eighties. When we go back and think about the consequences of films of of, of villains in the nineteen eighties, you know, it's you've got it's they end up dead or maybe they go to jail or prison for a little while. Maybe they become a better person and 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 they and and we just assume that you know from here on out they're a better person. I think in the case of Barbara the cheetah, I think that this is just a starting point. I think this was in many ways an origin film for the cheetah, you know, to potentially set her up as a reoccurring Wonder Woman villain. Mel, any other things that were plot holes or that stuck out for you? No. No, I think I I do kind of have a thing about I like Diana and Steve together, but and I know this is the purpose was to keep her from not paying attention because if you are what are the rules of horror movies, people that apply to all other movies of if you have a section not paying attention. So that's my little you gonna let him distract you, girl. Oh, come on, we're on a mission here. I'm not saying we don't have time for that later, but come on. But you know, I I get it. I, I it's cute and I like it, but it's also kind of like there has to be a way for a woman to love a man, but also be powerful at the same time. And a lot of times in movies and shows, they always try to make her pick. And I don't, you, it's doable. You could do it. So that's just me. But other Mo, than that, you have had, you've done a lot of defending of the plot holes that others have pointed out on the podcast. Were there any that stuck out for you? One was, again, it goes back to when they name dropped the villain of this, um, the, the trickster, his name, he is the Duke of Deception. He is another one of the Greek gods, a Wonder Woman villain from the comics. I expected more digging, a little bit more backstory, a little bit more information about the Duke of Deception. And I'm wondering if that was a swerve due to how things went with Ares in in the first film. I I really think there there could have been a little bit more follow-up there. Um, I, I just think that there could have been a little bit more tightening up uh, of things as it, as it pertained to, you know, the Dreamstone and again, powers and, and, and so forth like that. Okay. So final, well, before we get to the final thoughts, let's talk about what Mel texted us about the stinger after the credits. What y'all Mel go for it. <laughs> so, <laughs> As we're waiting, you know, the credits are rolling. We see, boom, we're back right back into the movie. All right. We see a woman walking. She's got dark hair. You see that she's got the, uh, you know, bracelet on. She's blocking and she caught a. And before you say any more, spoiler alert if you haven't watched the movie. Oh, true. Well, this whole thing's a spoiler alert. Anywho. As she's walking, you see she's got a cape. She's doing her thing. You know, she catches a pillar that falls. She blocks she's something else. Got there, vol- voluminous, or vo- uh, vo- uh, I, the wrong word. A lot. I was going to say voluminous black hair, but that's not. Is it vo- voluptuous black hair? A lot <laughs> yeah. of it. Vol- voluminous. Yeah, she has this beautiful dark mane. You're like, oh, Thank okay. You. We're there back you go. You're thinking, oh, maybe this is Diana. You know, she saves a woman in her child's life. The woman runs up to her and she says, oh my gosh, what's your name? You saved my life. And she turns around and it is Linda freaking Carter. Ah! The whole couch 
bitch in my house erupted in applause when we saw her, okay? That is how awesome it was. And it turns out she's like, oh, I'm Hysteria. And we didn't talk about that early in the podcast, but we learned that Diana's golden armor is actually Hysteria's. She is the Amazon goddess um, ancestor who basically made it possible for all of them to stay around, so on and so forth. And she says that she only found her armor. She couldn't find her. Well, it turns out she couldn't find her because she was Linda Carter. And she is amazing. Of course, Linda was the original live-action Wonder Woman back in the 70s. She is amazing. I thought that was a really awesome touch to include her in the new film. And even the character, Asteria, she's saying, oh, well, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. And I was like, oh, this is so great. So that was definitely the best feel-good moment of the whole thing for me. Dan, what would you think of it? I loved it. I thought it was a great throwback, um, a very good wink and nod to the audience and the fans of the old Wonder Woman show. Um, yeah, there's not really much else to say. I it was cool. Mo, and what she, did? Oh, she, she looked, looked fan. Great. Yes, Mo, what did you think of it? Um, in light of the fact that in, earlier in the film they'd shown her, uh, like they'd shown her at a younger age in the armor with the wings holding off humanity so that Themyscira could have the spell put around it to protect it. Oh, I would thought it was a wonderful way to include Linda Carter in, in the film. It's, it, yeah, it just, it, you know, it just brought back the, the, that whole, I started thinking about the Wonder Woman, or the old Wonder Woman theme song. It's like, Wonder Woman! So, yeah, I, I was really happy that Linda Carter wasn't, was uh incorporated into the film and it's and it's great that a dc film has stolen something you know a trick from marvel where they include like these post-credit scenes that that have either some sort of easter egg or a spoiler or something to get the fans excited and i think that that's what this movie did it it had something extra for me to, to feel good about at the end of this film do any of you guys wish that there had been <clears throat> maybe another scene in which there was a hint at even though they're not connect they may not be connected or in the, each other's films if there might have been a hint for Aquaman or the Suicide Squad 2 or you know any of those I'm actually good with them just having it as Wonder Woman because, you know, this is her standalone film. And I don't feel like DC is at a place of where they can incorporate other characters yet for their standalone films. Like, I think we still need to establish more of Wonder Woman, who she is, her flaws, her greatness, just her all-around character before we start throwing Batman and everybody else in there. Because everybody knows who Batman is. They focus on Batman more they focus on anyone else. So... I was good with this. Mo or Dan? I th- I think that, um, like Mel said, that they just, leaving Aquaman out or any of the other DC movie characters who, who've, who've, who've got, like, potential franchises. I think having characters like a Simon Stagg who are, you know, if you know DC comic mythology you get that Easter egg. I think it gets trickier, again, given that Wonder Woman is set in a different time period than something like Aquaman or the Shazam films. It gets a bit trickier. 
So and it, it, it's it's a bit grayer. So but I think it'd be easier. Like, shouldn't the fact that she's in standalone films be easier for like her to tell stories, whether or not we have the post teasers? Um, I, I don't. I think I think because given the structure of how the DC movies are produced, I I don't think it's it's necessarily a good idea because we don't a we don't know what the lead out time is for you know the for Aquaman two or Shazam and I'm assuming that you know James Gunn is probably you know in editing the Suicide Squad since it's going to be dropping you know you know before I guess I think I believe it's before summer of next year. On that note, we would encourage you to comment on this episode at geekconfidential.com. Let us know what you thought of Wonder Woman 1984. It was so good to have a big screen movie, even if it was on the small screen, to talk about on the podcast, because I think like the last movie that I wanted to get to, or the last two movies that I wanted to get to, but didn't go to because in part because of COVID, were the Morbius movie and the um, uh, Vin Diesel movie where blood, was Bloodshot. Bloodshot? Mm-hmm. Bloodshot. I never got to watch either of them. I haven't seen a movie since before those two. So it was Hold great on. To t- Morbius never came out. When did Morbius come out? <laughs> no, didn't, it, didn't come out? No. no. It, it <laughs> Morbius Wait, never made Bloodshot made it out. Bloodshot made it out. Bloodshot mm-hmm. like is historically going to be considered the lowest... Uh, grossing superhero movie movie. because it came out the week of COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I thought that Morbius had still come out on my bad. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll be interesting to see that then who knows maybe because that's, that's done by what Sony, right? So Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Sony's the only one left who doesn't have a streaming platform. At what point does Sony get one? Right. Um, Hulu. No, 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 no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it, it, yeah, they would go to Netflix because oh, that's, that's when a lot yeah. of that, that, now that that Sony Sony films end up on Netflix. I could see them doing a deal. Um, yeah, Sony wants to get the money from Netflix for licensing. Yeah. So on that note, you can comment on this episode at uh, geekconfidential.com. Let us know what you thought of uh, Wonder Woman 1984. You can find me on Twitter. Twi- <laughs> I am rusty. I've not done this in a while. You can find me on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at Mend- Melody Akles. Mo is at Dr. Mo 77 and Dan is at the real no at real Dan Pierce. Boy, I am rusty. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GK confidential and on Facebook at GK confidential. Thank you so much for listening until next time. So long. Oh, bleep, bleep. That's all folks. <laughs> what is your wish? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>